Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When we first started doing the job, that's kind of what it was called. We were rusing. We were calling people making up names, making up stories. We, you know, ruse is, you know, a trick, a scam, a deception. And so we were rusing. And I always liked, like, as I started to write the book and think about the title, I just always liked the title ruse. It's a word that we kind of know what it means, but it's a word that's not used that often. So it's kind of fresh. And I think it's intriguing, like ruse, what is a ruse? You know, what is this book about? So that's how the title came about. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Got a fun show today. It's a little different than the normal. Our guest is Robert Kerbeck. Robert went from being a professional actor to becoming a corporate spy. He convinced employees to reveal their company's best kept secrets. In this episode, we discuss the murky world of corporate spying, why humans are the weakest link in cybersecurity, and why urgency is a red flag. Robert opens the door to corporate spying and cybersecurity in this episode. So come along with us. Let's hear from Robert. Hey, Robert, welcome to the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So I'm going in a little bit different direction today. You know, a lot of times I'll talk to uh, business owners that have scaled their business. And I got to be honest, when I heard about you and I I saw that you were a guest on podcast shows, I think I hunted you down. I don't know if that's the right wording, but (laughs) I really want to talk. You've written a book called Ruse, Lying the American Dream from Hollywood to Wall Street. And the book, I read it. I think it's a great book. I think I love these types of stories. Although this funny thing is, this is a real story. It's not a not a made up story. So, you know, before we get into that, because that's what's going to be about this uh, show, I'd love to hear just a little bit about you. Can you share a little bit about you and, and maybe what you're doing these days? Yeah. So, you know, I've written this book, Ruse, which is about my career as a corporate spy. And um, I appreciate you stalking me down. You know, my publisher did the same thing when they heard about this book because they said, we've never read a book uh, written by a corporate spy before. And um, they were really excited about it. And um, it's been fun for me to see the response of people because, you know, we all know the Russians spy on the Chinese and the Chinese spy on us, but most people have no idea that major corporations are spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year to spy on each other. And that's the crazy career that I stumbled into. You know, I'm out of it now. Obviously, that's why I can write the book. The statute of limitations has expired on any potential crimes that I've committed. And so now I get asked to, you know, not only do interviews and podcasts, but I actually go and speak to cybercrime and cybersecurity organizations, companies, conferences, on how not to be victim of, you know, what I call in the book rusing, but it's any type of deception, phishing, scamming, ransomware. You know, obviously these are huge issues that are in some way 
even more relevant today than in the days in the you know 90s and aughts when I was kind of in my heyday as a corporate spy. Okay. And can you kind of define for the purposes of uh, the, just the audience to understand a little more, what was rusing like at the time that you were doing it? Obviously, technology and like you mentioned, fishing and stuff has come in. But what was rusing? What were you physically doing? So, you know, we were hired to infiltrate firms, usually via the phone, you know, back in the day of analog versus today digital. And so we would impersonate, you know, the woman who had this this corporate spying firm only hired actors. And I was a young actor. I moved to New York. I needed a survival job. And of course, who stumbles into a job as a corporate spy? But that's what I did. And this woman only hired actors because we could create characters, we could do accents, we could do voices, and we would get people on the phone at major companies to tell us things that they should never, ever tell us. And you can imagine, I always use like the football analogy, if you could get the playbook on your competitor, you know, a couple days before the big game and you knew every play they were going to run, every formation, you know, all of that stuff, that's what corporations want to know about their rivals. Yeah. I chuckled because I, I was reading the book, you know, I, my background is in staffing and recruiting. Mm. So there were some similarities with the exception of maybe being deceptive that we were always trying to get as much information. You're always trying to extract as much. But I chuckled because you had one section where I think one person, as you were getting them to reveal information, I think they had a list of like 250 people or some crazy number of people that that you were actually extracting from them. And then you went on to ask, like, what is their level? Like, wh how, who was the top performer in the group? And it just made me laugh. Like, how did you have... And I know you did say you could just hang up. But I mean, how, much, how nervous were you during those calls? Like, were you... You were concealing it, obvious, but were you super nervous or did you get used to it and the nerves go away? And there was always an adrenaline. There was just adrenaline yeah. pumping. Your heart was pumping. And then at the end of a call, if you got the the intel that the client had wanted, you were just fired up. You know, it was, you know, it was like a real high. It was like a drug. And one of the things that there's one of the reviews that, about the book that I think the New York Post said I was LinkedIn before LinkedIn was invented, <laughs> which is really a, was really a nice thing for to read. But, you know, think about it. You know, LinkedIn was invented around 2005, but it wasn't until after the crash of 2008 that it really began to take off around 2009 because everybody had lost their job in the crash or they were afraid they might lose their job. And so people all of a sudden started putting themselves on LinkedIn so they could be aware of other job opportunities. But before that, there was really no way for corporations or headhunting firms, executive recruiting firms, to know who was at a firm, what their level was, and who the rock stars were at the firm, right? You know, if you, you know, you're in staffing, if you interview someone, everybody's going to say that they're the best one on their team. Everyone's going to say they're killing it. But we would learn the internal metrics of each firm, and that's something your listeners may not know. But all firms rank their employees. They have a ranking system. You know, sometimes it's based on, you know, the salary, but oftentimes there's an internal metric where they're ranking their employees. And we would learn what these ranking systems were, which then was incredibly valuable because then my clients could learn who the rock stars were at their competitors and they could steal them away. So that's good stuff. Hey, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. So just in terms of corporate security, because it sounds like you're doing a little bit of consulting in that space, where do you see like your typical corporation? Where are they the weakest from a security standpoint in terms of being infiltrated, their data stolen? 
Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I was just had a conversation with a small healthcare provider that I was helping out, and they basically were the victims of a ransomware attack. They were shut down. Their systems were shut down. They could not book appointments with patients. Think about that. Wow. They couldn't even book an appointment with anyone for days. I think it went on for about 10 days. So you can imagine how much money that they lost, right? And the attack started with social engineering in the book, what I call rusing, where people are literally still to this day using the phone, calling up, getting people inside the firm to tell them things, in this case, about this firm's network, about how it was set up, about how it was organized. And they use that kind of social engineering information to then go in and hack the system. Right. But they would not have been able to hack the system if they had not found a friendly employee who told them things they never should have told them. And so I always tell people the weakest link of cybersecurity is always, without a doubt, the human being. Right. Wow. And that's that's never going to go away. Right. You're always going to have that. I don't think so. I mean, look, there is something that's going on with corporations, which is the part of the problem is that. The chief information officer, the chief compliance officers, the information security departments are spending a tremendous amount of time, money, and effort developing systems, developing firewalls, developing encryption, all of these very important things. And they spend a minuscule fraction of that time, effort, and money on training the individuals at their firm not to fall victim to rusing phishing, all of the different hacking scams, whether it's hacking a system or what I do, hacking people, right? And until corporations really spend the time to train and educate their people, they're going to continue to have these problems because if I can get your employee to believe that I'm with the firm, that I'm offsite, that there's some emergency, I can get them to do the hacking for me. <laughs> and that's that's a big part of the problem. Yeah. Was that the most extreme thing you did in terms of this kind of spying is just get to imply that you were employed by the company? Was there anything more extreme that maybe didn't make the book or was a little bit beyond that? Well, we weren't we weren't just implying we worked for the company. We were impersonating real people. We were impersonating executives. And because we were actors, we could imitate people's voices. So, you know, this is Gerhardt calling from the office in Frankfurt. <laughs> we have the European Union regulators here this week, and we need some information from the states, right? So now I'm this guy, Gerhardt. You're in the whatever office, you're in the Toledo office, you're in the uh, San Francisco office, you know, Jacksonville office, whatever office. And now you're like, oh, my God, it's somebody calling from our, our European facility. Oh, and you look me up on the internal directory and you go, oh, Gerhard Mannheim. Oh, he's the executive vice president of European compliance. Oh, boy. Well, if he has a problem. It's got to be real. I've got to help him. I've got to be a good corporate teammate, right? And so those are the kind of things that we would do. I mean, I could call people even back in the day before, you know, executives were interviewed all the time on you, you know, you, and now you can watch them on YouTube, CNBC, whatever. You could just call and listen to someone's voice message, you know, yeah, this is Gail Hart. I'm not here. Please leave a message. And I, you know, you know, and I could just from one or two sentences, I could imitate their voice. I could do their accent. And so you would sound enough. Now, look, I wouldn't be calling the same office. That would not be smart, right? But 
remember, these corporations now have offices all over the place. And most people have not, especially, of course, now in the era of COVID, most people haven't even met the people that they work with in person. So so the idea that you can kind of mimic someone's voice, you can imagine what somebody inside the firm would be willing and could tell you. Yeah, yeah. So given that COVID and maybe people haven't seen each other, but LinkedIn also has evolved more. Do you think this type of rusing still exists? Is it more prevalent, less prevalent, or is it or is it more technology related now? What's your thoughts around it? Well, look, there is a lot of technology, right? We're, we all get the the text phishing and the, yeah. the email phishing, right? And all of that stuff. But I'm here to tell you that in a strange sort of way, again, it goes to the human connection. If you can get a human being on the phone, and I have all these tricks to get you to answer your phone. I know they say people don't answer their phone anymore. Well, when I'm calling, I get you to pick up, right? And so when you pick up, all of a sudden now there's this human connection. And what you do is you develop a relationship that people like you, that they want to help you. And so now you've got somebody on the phone who's willing to do anything and everything. I have people, or I had, you know, because I don't spy anymore. I had people say, hey, look, I don't know the answer to that. I can't get access to that system. I don't know what the answer to that is. But you know what? Hold on. I'm going to call somebody in another office. I think they have access to that server. I'll get them to input their password. They'll look it up. They'll give me the information and I'll come back with it. So now I've got somebody else actually assisting me, an employee assisting me to call another person in the firm, right? And that's the thing that's incredible is because now when somebody else is calling, you know, they are a legitimate person. So now the other person on that the other person that that person's calling, they're not even suspicious at all because they they probably even know this person quite well. And, and they figure if this person is asking, this request must be legitimate. Hey, this is Tyler. Oftentimes, business owners and entrepreneurs hire me because they are stuck. Their business is stuck. They've hit a wall and can't take their business to the next level. And they're frustrated. When I grew my second business, it took me a while to get the pieces to fit. But once they did, the business scaled fast. In fact, it grew to 25 million in annual revenue and ultimately sold for eight figures. So I decided to put together a roadmap for scaling a business. I want to help stuck business owners that want to scale but are having challenges. It's called the Scale in 5 Roadmap. And you can get a copy by doing the following. Text the number 55444 and type the word SCALE and hit send. A copy of the roadmap will be sent to your inbox. When somebody else is calling, you know, they are a legitimate person. So now the other person on that, the other person that that person's calling, they're not even suspicious at all because they they probably even know this person quite well. And, and they figure if this person is asking, this request must be legitimate. Yeah. Would you be willing to share one of your tricks if you had someone's phone number and it's the proverbial, they don't answer their phone? What do you do to get them to answer their phone? Oh my gosh. Well, I should charge extra for this, but I'm going to give it to you. (laughs) So here's a simple one. It's so easy. You call. They don't answer, right? Right. Goes the voicemail. You hang up and you dial right back immediately. Many times you'll see a number, maybe it'll say anonymous, maybe it'll, you know, it'll be some number you don't recognize and you'll go, ah, that's spam, I'm not answering it. But when it calls again, it creates this sense of urgency, like there could be a problem. 
you know, maybe someone in my family, you know, has, is hurt. There's been an accident. There's been trouble at school, whatever. So that now our natural curiosity is intrigued and you pick up the phone. Uh, hello. (laughs) And once I've got you on the phone, I've got you. Yeah. You're reeling them in. You're reeling them in. Reeling them in. And of course, it it goes deeper from there. You know, we we now have this technology where we can do call spoofing. So we can make our phone number appear as someone that's actually in your contacts. We can have a name come up that's someone you might know. There are all these things we can do that you're now answering your phone because you think it is your boss (laughs) because their number is showing up. Right, right. Do you think there's a deeper layer to corporate espionage, like, you know, this is pretty light duty stuff, relatively speaking. Is there like a whole nother world to this in terms of things happening and people faking getting into places? What do you think about that? Well, I think the biggest one that I know of and that and we're going to hear about one day, and I think it's going to happen soon, is that a lot of these ransomware attacks are actually being supported and encouraged by competitor firms. Think about that for a minute. So, you know, we think it's just, you know, Russian bandits or, or you know, whatever gang of hackers, you know, that is just out to make money. But suppose it's a corporation that is trying to take down their rival. And in the story I told earlier about the hospital network that was couldn't book an appointment for 10 days, well, imagine if you're a business and you can't do business for 10 days, how is that going to benefit your competitors? Yeah. Right. I mean, especially a small facility, it could even put them out of business potentially. Correct. Correct. And so you think about that. If I'm a business and I can hire some vendor that's going to do the dirty work for me, now I have sort of plausible deniability. Well, boy, you know, we had no idea what was going on. You know, we just thought they were a consulting firm. You see where I'm going with this, where it can get pretty, pretty heavy. And I know this has already happened, but I think soon we're going to hear about like, there's going to be a major company that gets caught. And when that happens, there's going to be articles written everywhere. And you're going to be able to say, Robert, told us about it first. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a couple of fun questions I want to bounce off you about the book. So how much of the book, I know it's based around a true story. How much of it is actually true? It's all true. It's, you know, I mean, the book is nonfiction, which, you know, by definition means it it's true, you know? Okay. So yeah, everything in the book happened. Yeah. I mean, I know it reads like a spy novel and it reads fast. It's a page turner, but I wanted that because coming out of COVID, you know, we've all been through so much. We've all been, you know, it hasn't been obviously the best last couple of years. And so I wanted to write something that was fun for people to read. Yeah, it's an easy read. It's a fun story and it is engaging. So is there anything in the book that you couldn't include, whether the publisher didn't allow it because it was maybe too gray or too excessive? Is anything got cut before it could get in the book? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the big thing is that the corporation names have all been changed. So sure. they're, they're made up names because even though the statute of limitations has expired for the spying that I've done, you can imagine. So for example, I uh, have personally presented stolen data to two individuals that today are one step from being CEOs of their respective firms, which are two of the largest publicly traded companies in the world. 
Oh my gosh. Right. That's how high up the food chain corporate spying goes. Right. And so if I were to name those individuals, if I were to name those companies, of course they would deny it. And they would say, wow, we had no idea Robert did this. We had no idea he stole that, stole that data. And of course they've got armies of attorneys that could come after me and just make life really difficult. And even though the book is true, all the stories are true. I didn't want to you know, spend the rest of my life dealing with attorneys from XYZ major corporation. Yeah, I don't blame you. And then the word ruse, you know, we talk about it as being spying, but then we use the word ruse in, in the title. Is that related to legal reasons? Was there some, was there, what was the reason for it? You know, that's a great question. You know, when we first started doing the job, that's kind of what it was called. You know, I mean, we were rusing, you know, we were calling people making up names, making up stories. We, you know, ruse is, you know, a trick, a scam, a deception. And so we were rusing. And I always liked, like, as I started to write the book and think about the title, I just always liked the title ruse. It's a word that we kind of know what it means, but it's a word that's not used that often. So it's kind of fresh. And I think it's intriguing, like ruse, what is a ruse? You know, what is this book about? So that's how the title came about. Yeah. Plus, I mean, ruse to me is less threatening than spy. It's Mm. almost like ruse is almost like fun in a way. Mm. Like it's maybe, you know, maybe it's crossing the line a little bit, but in a, in a fun way where a spy is like, there's definitely a, a clearer line and distinction between the word spy and ruse, at least in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, look, to me, the, the greatest compliment somebody can say about my book is that it was fun, you know, that they laughed, you know, that they were like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. That's crazy. And so, yeah, so I think ruse has an element of kind of the zaniness of the spying world and some of the crazy things, the shenanigans that we were up to. Yeah, love it. Hey, what what do you see coming now? You've got ruse. It's got some great reviews. What's next? What's what do you want to do after this now? Well, I mean, the big thing right now is, you know, Frank Abagnale, uh, who wrote Catch Me If You Can, you know, he read my book. I don't know him, but he read the book and he loved the book. And he gave me this amazing blurb, which is on the cover of the book. So and when Frank Abagnale, who wrote Catch Me If You Can, which obviously got turned into a huge movie with uh, Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio, when he says good things, people in Hollywood pay attention. And so people reached out about making Ruse into a TV series. And it's going, you know, it's, it's very far down the line. I mean, I, I'll kind of believe it when I'm on the set and there's a chair with my, my name on it, but you know, there's a showrunner attached. There's a production company attached. The pilot has pretty much been written and I'm very involved. I'm, you know, kind of a consulting producer, which is really cool. A lot of times they want to take writers, you know, get the rights to your book and, and kind of push you down the stairs or kick you out the door. But they've been very uh, excited about having me involved because, you know, even though I wrote this book, you know, I was spying for a long time. There are many, many spying stories that are not in the book. And they're going to, fortunately, now they're going to be able to find a home in the TV series. Yeah, I could imagine. It's it's something that would make for a fun TV series. I mean, I could see it taking on each episode, kind of having a life to its own. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the idea. Is it, I mean, it's not Mission Impossible kind of stuff, sure. but it has that kind of feel of, you know, what's the scam of the week? You know, what's the ruse? Can you get away with it? How do you set it up? What are you trying to get? You know, so yeah, I think it could be a lot of fun. And, you know, people really want to go behind the scenes of corporate America. We see it in shows like Billions and Succession. Uh, There's another show, Industry. And nobody has done a series about corporate spying. So I, I think it's got it's got potential. Very cool. Hey, I've got two more questions for you. One, I'd love to know if you've got some tips maybe to help someone not be rused, if there's anything that comes off the top of your head, 
just to avoid going down that path? Yeah, I think the number one thing I tell people is number one red flag is time pressure. Whenever you see something, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a text, whether it's an email, where there's this, oh my God, you're in trouble, you're screwed, you better do this right now. You better fix this right now. You better click on this right now. You better call me right now. You better, you know, whatever it is, you got to take your time. You know, I I always say, you know, put the device down, (laughs) step away from the computer because the temptation is to panic, right? The temptation is to go, oh my God, they got my, my PayPal account. They got my bank account. They got my, you know, whatever social security number, whatever it is. And you panic. And that's, that panic is the thing that creates the problem. Yeah, that's so true. I always like to end the show with a business or a life tip, something you've learned along the way. Anything come off the top of your head that you'd you'd like to share before wrapping up? Yeah, I say, you know, do what it is you want to do in life. You know, I mean, here, you know, I wanted to be an actor, which is how I got into this crazy job. You know, I'm not really proud of what I did, though it is a hell of a good story. But now this crazy job, because I wanted to be an actor because I followed my dream, it has circled around to now I'm a writer which has been just this wonderful thing. I'm really enjoying writing. I've got a new book of fiction, which is about to come out. So, you know, it's basically just life is short. We, we've seen it with COVID. Do whatever it is that you want to do and encourage your kids to do whatever it is they want to do. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great one. Hey, the show notes will be on thinktyler.com. Your website is robertkerbeck.com. Kerbeck is spelled K-E-R-B-E-C-K. Com. So once again, robertkerbeck.com. Your book, Ruse, Lying the American Dream from Hollywood to Wall Street. Uh, you can get that, of course, on any uh, bookstore. And uh, Robert, is there anywhere else if people wanted to reach out to you or chat with you, anywhere else you'd want them to go? Well, the website is great because there's some cool stuff on there. The book trailer, which kind of gives you a sense of what the TV series will be like, is on there. You can watch that. There's you know, stuff about other books I've written, essays I've written. And you can also email me directly from the website and and tell me what you thought. And I love to hear from people. Very cool. Well, hey, thanks a lot. I hope you'll come back on again when your next book comes out or your TV series. I'd love to chat with you again. I really appreciate you sharing your time today. Oh, it would be my pleasure. And great questions, Tyler. Thanks so much. Thanks, Robert. Take care. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. 
I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. ElectroCast. ElectroCast.